Welcome to the 390th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Thanks for listening. I've said before that I usually talk about things that happen during the week, and a lot of my plans kind of went up in smoke yesterday after that massacre in Texas with all those children. Um, it, it pretty much stopped me in my tracks as long as, as well as I'm sure a, a lot of you. And one thing that I, you know, it, it trivializes nutrition, it trivializes exercise. Um, but what it doesn't trivialize is asking why. A lot of times in this podcast, I talk about why, you know, know your why in order to change, but as opposed to just treating with medicine or treating with a procedure, asking why and what's wrong and, and how do we actually fix it as well as put a Band-Aid on it. And I feel as though over the past several years with various school shootings and various young men that become extremely angry and violent, why are we not asking why? And I think everybody agrees that, you know, an 18-year-old shouldn't have an assault rifle. I don't know who should have an assault rifle. Uh, it would be nice if the world didn't have any of them. Uh, unfortunately, the world does. And I don't want to get into that kind of a debate. But I want to ask why. Why does a young man become so angry that he's willing to take innocent lives? And I think we really have to take a hard look at, at that um, and ask what, what do these people have in common and where are we going wrong with the youth? And when I look on the Internet and, you know, everybody jumps to their own conclusion and blame and hate and all this kind of things, and I think that the pandemic has actually made some of this worse. We are fearful of each other, fearful of being killed by a stranger through a virus we can't see, uh, fearful of medicines and treatment for the vaccines, but mainly fearful for each other. We've retreated into our homes, um, away from schools, away from social gatherings, away from getting to know each other, away from communication, away from empathy towards each other. And I don't think that that's helped make any of this better. Certainly not the cause of angry young men for the most part, but I don't think it helps. And so I'd ask you um, to reach out and try to be a little kinder. Um, you know, there's a dietary debate all the time. Um, again, we all have common ground. There are things that we all agree that green things to eat are, are, are good. Um, but instead of, you know, um, looking at somebody and saying, you're not a true vegan or you're not true plant-based or these people are carnivores or they don't do it right, um, a little bit more empathy and trying to meet somebody on common ground. I think a little bit more handshaking, a little bit more eye contact, and a little bit more empathy might, might help the world in a, to get to a better place. So I hope you get to know your neighbor. I hope you share some food with your neighbor. I hope you don't think less of them if they don't eat plant-based. Um, but share something that's good with them that they, they might ultimately like. Um, you know, I think if we do things with kindness in our hearts, we're more likely to make the world a little bit better place. So... I guess that's my little diatribe to get things started. Um, again, thoughts and prayers to go out to all those families that, that lost loved ones. I, I can't imagine anything I can't imagine anything worse. So 
I'm coming up on uh, not too far out uh, inside a month for our next marathon uh, in Leadville. Uh, again, we're going to be going from 10,000 feet to 13,000 feet. Uh, so I've been doing my hill training. That's going good. I've been doing my kettlebell exercises that Addie's giving, trying to get a little bit more strength. So that's all going good. I'm having tremendous success with my tower garden and growing these giant heirloom tomatoes as well as uh, little caprese tomatoes this year. So it's taking off. I still have peppers. I still have a little arugula. Um, I plant microgreens inside, and when I'm done with the microgreens, I throw them out into my raised beds. What's left? A few seeds that didn't sprout. And lo and behold, I talked earlier about a daikon radish that came up and was just fabulous. Um, most recently, um, I saw this giant green leafy thing came up and I wasn't sure if it wasn't kale at first. Turns out it's broccoli. So I have broccoli sprouting in my tower garden. I mean, big heads of broccoli. I also have a big head of Napa cabbage, uh, sprouting basil's doing well. Um, celery, if you, you know, if you have a little raised bed, you can, and you have some celery, cut the top off, plant the bottom and you can grow another celery. We are getting ready to celebrate Caleb's second birthday. So uh, tonight I had a re- relatively quick meal, getting getting starting to pack things up a little bit to, to go visit. And simple meal of green beans with, again, some fresh cherry tomatoes um, and mushrooms, as well as a sweet potato was tonight's dinner. Last night I found a recipe online that I really liked and I'll make again. Um, a dice called for diced or riced cauliflower as well as riced or diced carrots, real fine, and parsley that was seasoned with turmeric, cumin, and uh, I put a little garam masala in it, and I also added tofu to that recipe. So that was a good um, dinner last night, which became lunch today. I am very grateful that one of our members made homemade rigatoni and brought to me and we had that over the weekend with uh, homemade walnut mushroom, mushroom walnut meatballs and a mixed green salad with cucumbers and, again, more tomatoes. I also had um, a, a eggplant, uh, the uh, long Japanese eggplant with red peppers, mushrooms, and tofu over rice. And uh, on Friday, we had our potluck, and I made tabbouleh for the potluck and came home with the leftovers and had a baked potato with sauerkraut and mustard, uh, as well as the tabbouleh. So simple meals. Nothing much takes uh, not much longer than 30 minutes. I do the sweet potatoes in my air fryer uh, at about 360 degrees. I cut them in half, put them face down. They they cook better in there. I actually do air roast, not air fry, um, but they're really, really sweet. Um, oh, I also did some zucchini tonight that I do a little um, uh, marinade with a little rice flour, um, garlic, and, um, I use garlic, and lemon pepper tonight. So that was good. Um, so, yep, uh, meals can be simple during the week. Sometimes, again, they get a little fancier once in a while, but sometimes not. But, um, you know, it's healthy. Look at the plate, see lots of color. My breakfast has been Mamey Sapota, uh, which I get out of Miami, as well as yellow dragon fruit that are white inside, if you haven't had one of those. Pineapple or watermelons are starting to be good. Um, some blackberries this morning and uh, soursop. Um, soursop is a tropical fruit 
um, that uh, people liken it to, you know, kind of a smoothie texture, but it has some big seeds in it, a little fibrous, but it um, a little bit tart, a little bit sweet. Not sure exactly how to describe it, but uh, also a good fruit to add to the to the mixture, as well as mangoes. Um, our mangoes are getting big, but they're not quite ready, so I'm still purchasing them at various uh, storefront locations. And um, I um, got some uh, tropical bananas from um, Matthew Reese, who has, he's, if you want to go on his site and see what he grows, he does agroforestry. It's whatsripening.com. But I got some Namwa uh, bananas from him that are small bananas, uh, very thin skin. You let them get almost black. You actually do get black, and they're very sweet. So uh, I've been enjoying those as well. So thank you, Matt Reese. I think I talked about the um, sugarcane juice um, the last time that uh, we had a podcast, but I've been enjoying some sugarcane juice after my run with a little bit of lime uh, and some crushed ice. Great way to hydrate sugarcane. If you haven't listened to last podcast, uh, last week's podcast, is sugarcane actually is a grass. So it has all the properties of it's green, uh, the juice, uh, before you, you know, ultra process it into sugar. So a lot of um, antioxidants and phytonutrients, um, iron, calcium, phosphorus. So it's actually a really good uh, rehydration drink after, um, after you exercise. I was a little concerned, um, you know, being a, you know, sugar cane, sugar, that, Jesus, this is going to be bad for my teeth or bad for my enamel. And actually, it's been shown to promote uh, new enamel and be good for your teeth. So not to worry there either. Obviously, it's a calorie-dense drink, so you don't want to drink a lot of it. But again, it's a good hydration properties as well as, you know, as long as you put it over some ice, add some lime juice to it, and don't, don't overdo it. I have had... Um, Ashlyn Dave on my podcast before he has a podcast running in the center of the universe and uh, I believe his podcast goes all the way back to 2008 or 2009 and he runs marathons and runs ultras and you know listening to his podcast he puts out a couple a month maybe and it's kind of like listening to an old friend um, and he talks about his running and he talks about his family and he talks about Ashland, Virginia and what's going on with the races there and ultras that he's done and his buddies and talks about everyday thing. And most recently he hasn't put a podcast up and finally there was one up and I listened to it and, um, he had had an injury, he hadn't run, but he kind of lost his mojo a little bit, lost his, his, you know, uh, injury hard to get back. Um, you know, just a little bit disgusted with life and everything and, you know, kind of got in a slump and, but he was coming back and I was really glad to hear that, but he actually cut and paste his episode 10. He's up into the high two hundreds of his podcast and he Abbasi cut, actually cut and paste a, an episode 10 of his podcast early on where he talked about motivation. And it was during his second or third marathon that he was talking about, you know, what he does to keep himself motivated. And he put that up there so he could keep himself motivated a little bit. But he talked about putting his clothes out the night before uh, or putting up, you know, a, a, a sticker about, you know, marathon training in, in the bedroom or bathroom. And I lay my stuff out the night before as a, as a motivator. I see them when I get up, so I'm less likely to, you know, to 
bow out of, of getting ready to go. But, but I also, you know, talking about, uh, you know, why, why you want to do things and being mentally strong. And, um, he was talking about mentally strong. And then I listened to another podcast. There was a a running sports psychologist talking about being mental what it meant to be mentally strong. And is things, are things mental or physical? And, you know, most people agree that, you know, even when we talk about golf, you know, the mental aspect versus the physical aspect, but the mental aspect is, you know, roughly 10% of things, but it's, it's that last tough 10%. And, you know, what, what, what are things that make you mentally tough? And, you know, some of it when you're running is, you know, encountering things during your training that you may encounter during a race so that you're kind of ready and, and not surprised about those things happening, you know, um, and different people will do different things, but, you know, you want to run in the same clothes that you're going to be running in. You want to get near the same amount of time on your, on your feet, but being mentally tough when you eat is also a thing, um, and, and sticking to your plan. And, you know, what are some of the things that you can do, you know, to stay mentally tough. And I think one of the biggest thing is, you know, you know, again, having that menu and being prepared, knowing what you're going to eat, because if you're not ready and you get hungry, I think that's when a lot of people fall by the wayside. The other thing that they talked about was taking something away is a little bit more difficult than substituting something in, so to speak. Um, if you can make a substitution, that's kind of a transition, you know, maybe substituting Ezekiel bread for our bakery bread, or, you know, you're making things, you're eating the same thing, or maybe a bean burger for a hamburger. It's a substitute in, and your brain says, well, you're really not, you know, you're not giving up anything, but, you know, giving up something is becoming mentally tough and you really want it for a little bit. And then it kind of falls to the wayside. And in your desire to have that kind of drifts over the next days to weeks to where it becomes not, you, know, you, you still may look back on something with admiration, but it's not something that you, your cravings start to, to, to decrease. And, and Doug Lyles talked about this as well. He's a, a psychiatrist that uh, works with um, a new, you know, nutrition programs. Dr. McDougall, and he works with uh, Dr. Goldhammer, and they, they talk about, you know, the, the thing that drives um, urges are basically, you know, a little serotonin and dopamine burst. And if you eat a candy bar, you're going to get a much ri- larger rise in dopamine than you would uh, eating an apple. But over time, if you don't eat the, the, the candy bar, then the desire to have it starts to wane, and then the apple dopamine uh, surge actually becomes something that um, is much more tolerant and you actually, you know, start to like the sweetness of an apple. Um, and I can say that that's true. In my case, I have a sweet tooth and eating more fruit has led me to like more fruit and I don't miss the other stuff near as much. And even when I have, um, you know, we're, we're about to have some birthday cake. It's not that I still have that that fruit makes me feel so much better and this would be a celebration, but it's not going to be something I'm looking to find somebody's birthday to celebrate every day, so to speak. So, you know, what can it take away, um, you know, it, again, makes you a little bit more mentally tough, especially, you know, as time goes by, but it also makes you, I believe, more mindful of, of what you're choosing, because if you're making a conscious effort to eliminate something, then you have to watch for it and you have to look at it all the time. If you're not really looking for it, and, you know, I guess the mentally taking something away to me is also putting 
I say put a fence around it. Um, so if you're not going to eat eggs, uh, you're not going to eat eggs in a pastry as well as you're not going to eat eggs that are scrambled or fried. Um, you know, if you're not going to eat oil, you're not going to eat oil on your salad, but you're also not going to cook with oil. So you have to think about things or you're not going to buy a pasta sauce that has a bunch of oil in it. So you start to be more mindful of what it is that you're actually taking away and, and you kind of declare it. Early on when you're making a transition, I think taking a little bit away is much easier than taking a lot away. Um, so if, you know, look for things that maybe aren't quite as painful as you, you know, start to get used to taking something away. Um, so again, to me, cooking with oil is a no brainer. You eliminate five, 800 calories when you take out cooking oil. It doesn't really taste that change the taste as long as you use spices and everything else. Well, and you know, so you eliminated that and you took it away and it's not that, that big a deal. Uh, but you get good benefits out of decreasing the inflammation, decreasing the calories that you're taking in, perhaps decreasing your, your cholesterol. But a lot of times I think we baby ourselves and are afraid to take something away and we make all these conscious efforts or all these excuses to ourselves of why we actually deserve it and why we need it and comfort food and give things all kinds of names that we, you know, don't necessarily, this is, don't necessarily need, um, and, you know, things, things kind of get out of, you know, get out of hand again. I, a funny story um, that kind of goes along with it a little bit. Um, this week uh, we had a, you know, we're finally getting some rain, not a lot, but we're finally getting some rain. And we had a big thunderstorm and actually had my garage doors open, getting the dog's meals prepped in the garage. And um, it was just, you know, the big old bolt of lightning and thunder right in front of my eyes. And it's like scary enough to put the garage door down. Um, but when I finally came in and went upstairs, um, my upstairs air conditioning to my bedroom wasn't working. And unfortunately that was about nine o'clock at night when I saw that. So I have high ceilings. So that meant coming downstairs and getting my 10 foot ladder and taking it upstairs, um, and kind of around the corner and up the stairs and getting it set up into the closet where the air conditioning handler is up in the attic. So, you know, it's wrestling this ladder and um, getting up there and you have to set it up just right or it doesn't set up. And of course, I had to bring the shop back up and some Clorox in case I had to do something with the air conditioning uh, drain and it wasn't clogged. And I got up there and I flipped my breaker switches in different places and that didn't seem to be the problem. And so I didn't really get it fixed. Um, and then um, Michael's was on the phone with me and he said, well, there should be a breaker box up there. And I already taken the ladder down and I hadn't taken it downstairs, but I had unfolded it and wrestled it and got it back down, laying down uh, in another room. So I brought the ladder back in and got it set up. And, you know, it was again, climb back up the ladder with my headlamp and go in there. And ultimately uh, it, it turned back on and, and I got it fixed. But the funny part about all of it is, is that I hate that big ladder as far as it makes it much safer to get upstairs, but it's very heavy. Um, and it was quite the workout. And I had just done Addie's kettlebell um, leg day. So I was feeling the kettlebells before I actually start carrying the 55 pound ladder up the stairs. But it's like, okay, it's just like another workout and it's a good chance to, it's kind of like a farmer's carry that, you know, you, uh, or more like a suitcase carry cause you carry it to one side 
and I'm going to gauge my core and engage my glutes and go upstairs and I get some stair work and I'm actually getting some strength training done doing this and mobility, climbing up, getting up in the attic, not falling through the things. And it's like, okay, this is, this is not a bad, this is not a bad workout. Um, and it's something that I actually need to be able to do in order to take care of my house. I like living in a two-story house, and but those are one of those drawbacks. Now, I could and probably should get a fold-out ladder that comes out of the attic, and that would save me from carrying the steps. But nevertheless, I need to be able to get up and down out of those steps. And it's a good reason to train. It's a good reason to keep mobile so that I can take care of my property that I so love and I want to I live, live in and continue to live in and, and work out. And, and be safe when I'm, when I'm trying to take care of things. And I thought back to my dad when we were first getting ready to build the house. And uh, I was, we decided that I was going to put a grandparent suite onto my house um, so that my parents could have their own private quarters. And I would have my quarters, Addie and I at the time. And um, I asked my dad, you know, did he want you know, more of a ranch style, or did he want a second story? Because I was going to have a second story on my side. And he said, well, of course I want a second story. And he, and he liked the idea of being able to go upstairs and, and, you know, have his bedroom upstairs and, you know, enjoy his own TV and, and, you know, have his little personal space. And I was a little bit, he was in his early 80s at the time. And, uh, or like, yeah, probably 80 at the time. And I didn't want to offend him thinking that what, you know, it might be such that you might not want to go up the stairs or be able to go up and down the stairs. But he saw it as a reason to stay in shape that he could go up and down the stairs. Um, and my mother who is now 89 goes up and down the stairs so that she can stay in shape and get part of her steps, but it keeps her strength up. And it's something that drives her as opposed to avoiding it. And, and, you know, I, I think it's a good thing when we look at making ourselves a little bit more uncomfortable, but training for things that we really like to do. I have a member that likes to ride horses, and so she's got to stay in shape and stay strong in order to ride the horses. You know, so those are kind of things that um, what can you do to have a good outcome and how might nutrition actually help you achieve those things that you really want to do? I think we put a lot of emphasis on food and think that, you know, these comfort foods and why can't she, why does she get to eat all these things and I don't get to eat all these things and um, it's a hassle and nobody else eats this way. But in the back of your mind, you can always say or think that these eating this way gives me the best opportunity and exercising this way gives me the best opportunity to be able to accomplish these other things. So, you know, if you put just what you eat and that's all you've got, then I feel sorry for you. Um, if that's all you have, then to feed yourself and you have nobody else around you or nothing else that you want to do, I'd encourage you to find something else. But look at to those other things as nutrition is, gives us a means to do these things that we want to do for longer periods of time. And, I, and I'm convinced, you know, I talked to somebody today and they like, well, I don't know that somebody in their 80s is going to live significantly longer if they go plant-based. And it's like, no, they may not live significantly longer, but they're going to live significantly better um, because they're going to spend less time in the doctor's office and need to take less medications and have less side effects from it and be more mentally clear. So again, it depends on what, what your outcome is and, and what you'd like to, to accomplish. But um, 
you know, I think it's, you know, some of the tasks that we don't necessarily like are tasks that actually end up helping us be able to accomplish other tasks that we really do like. One thing that you're probably not going to hear at an oncologist's office um, was actually described in Nature magazine uh, by Bax and Finley, and they talked about the metabolic diversity that drives cancer cell invasion. And um, what they had to say, and you know, some of the couple of the sentences in this paper. Um, I think are quite interesting. Metabolic heterogeneity, which meaning the different kinds of um, metabolism are variable uh, and the variable expression of an enzyme in the initial tumor is identified as an early step in how it may spread. And then they go on to say that metastasis or spread of a cancer is inefficient. Only a subset of cells in the primary tumor can invade the bloodstream, survive in a hostile environment, and, and evade foreign environments um, uh, in the circulation and distal organs and manage to resume growth in alien tissues. In other words, um, the environment has to be just right for a cancer to metastasize. And the metabolism varies, and depending on how you feed it, uh, different growth factors, you know, may ultimately affect the metabolism and metastasis or spread of the cancer. And a hostile environment would be how good your immune system is. So basically, you know, looking at the spread of cancer, we're, we're always thought that, you know, if we don't kill it and eradicate it and destroy it and attack it, that it's going to get the best of us. And it's, you know, the horse is out of the barn and there's 15 million, you know, billion cells to make a tumor of a centimeter. And, um, you know, it's, you know, we're chasing and we're, we're under so much pressure. But the reality of it is we still have um, a lot that we can do with how we, again, choose our nutrition uh, and the other lifestyle factors in our life to actually decrease the risk of metastasis and survival in these places. So I think it's very encouraging. You know, we argue, people argue all the time, sugar feeds cancer. Um, and cancer cells don't use sugar um, very efficiently, um, so they go through a lot of it. But sugar, but cancer cells also like cholesterol. Um, they grow ra very rapidly with cholesterol and fat. So basically, they, they use what they need, and they can be very diverse, and different tumors probably use different food, different metabolic or different macronutrients a little bit differently. But most tumors are going to grow with anything that they're given. So when somebody overfeeds, then we're actually you know, contributing to an overgrowth, so to speak, or growth factors for, for a tumor. And uh, again, our immune system exercise helps to improve immune system. What we eat, um, decreasing oil in our diet, omega-6 fatty acids, decreases inflammation uh, and allows our immune system to function better. When we eat a high-fiber diet, we choose, microbio, uh, we choose microbacteria that are um, more um, supportive to our immune system as opposed to you know, catching more things on fire. So, you know, again, I, I think it, it would be really nice for more people to be encouraged why you might want to eat more healthy um, to avoid a cancer, but especially why you might want to eat even healthier if you already have cancer and you're trying to avoid its return. So what are the takeaways for today? I guess ask why. Why, wh what, why did you get this disease? Why, why do people do what they do? 
Um, and why are people angry? Um, we have to ask why uh, so that we can get our heads out of the sand and see how we can tackle it. I think we can uh, do better together than apart. Um, I, I, th- I think that we, we certainly need each other. Um, if you can get outside and do some exercise, you're going to improve your immune function, but also improve your, your mental health. Um, I am a huge proponent of eating dinner together uh, with your family. Uh, you look your kid in the eye and you can see what's going on. I think we have to address it. Um, if you see something bad happening or you see somebody not behaving right, you need, need to address it. Stand up and be counted. But a little kindness goes a long way if somebody's struggling. Um, keep your why in, in mind, um, mindful. Don't be afraid to uh, give up a little bit. Um, maybe give up a little bit of your time, uh, give up a little bit of your junk food, give up a little bit of your bad habits, uh, and, and uh, you know, things, things will get better. Uh, you become more mindful, uh, make better choices perhaps, and everything will get a little better. I think we have a lot more uh, that we can do and take responsibility for and control than, than we'd like to believe. It's a lot easier to kind of roll over and say, you know, I have bad genes and I got sick. Uh, there's nothing I can do. This, this happened to me. Um, but I think there's always something that we can do. Um, and it might result in something positive that's not necessarily all you know, near us. It may be something that we don't even get to appreciate. But I think that um, we got to keep trying and try to, do something, try, to, try to do something good, good for yourself. Uh, I think everybody deserves to be healthy. And a good way to start is with your your plate and your nutrition. So share some good plant food with somebody this weekend. Um, shake hands with somebody. Call the person at the grocery store by the name on their badge. Give a little smile. Try to be a little kinder uh, and gentler. And uh, go for a run. If you'd like to run with us, join us. Stewart, Florida in March. Uh, we're going to be running the Treasure Coast Marathon. Um, we're, we're getting a whole crew together to go run that race. Time's time to start training. Um, but uh, love to hear from you. You can email me at jamie at drdelaney.com. It's J-A-M-I at drdelaney.com. D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y. Website is drdelaney.com. You can get uh, join and get our newsletter. Um, you can learn about our practice and, and be part of our Plan Strong community. Uh, we'd love to have you. Thanks for listening. Oh. And let's spread this podcast a little bit wider. So share the podcast with your friend. Give them the link. If you go over to iTunes and give me a review, that'll put us up on the list, get a few more uh, people listening, and uh, let's grow this community. Thanks a lot. Good night. Caleb. Mom, mom loves you.